Today, church, we're going to be doing a, uh, a sermon. It's, I'll call it a one-hit wonder. You decide whether it's a hit or not. That's up to you. But today, it's just going to be a, a, a one single sermon. Next Sunday, uh, our youth pastor, Tommy Rose, he is going to preach. Uh, you, for sure, will be blessed. We want you to get a moment to get to know our youth pastor and, and the guy that's working with your kids. So make sure that you're here next week to support him and love on him. And we are excited. I've heard him speak a couple times. The kid does a phenomenal job with that. But today, we're going to be talking about, and the sermon title is, What's Next? What's Next? I want you to think about all the things that we do in life. Every single thing that we do in life, right, there's always like a next step to it. There's something else that you have to move into, right? Remember when you, you were getting ready to graduate high school, everyone's like, hey, so what are you going to do next? You know, what's next for you? You're going to college, whatever. You know, then when you get married, I mean, I remember this so well. We just got married. Mary and I, we stood up in front of the church. We said our vows, and, and then we were at the reception. I'm having a blast. You know the question that everybody was asking us at our reception? When are you guys going to have a baby? Oh, man, we're at the reception, right? You got to give that time. And then, you know, maybe you lose a job, right? People say, hey, what's next? What's next for you? You know, you're getting ready to retire in life. What's next? See, lots of things make us think about church and life. What is next? And today we're going to be looking on what God has for us next. Man, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, it says this. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Man, I want an amen on that one. That is true, isn't it? Each day has a trouble of its own. But I want you to realize something today, church. God has every single one of us. We are all on a spiritual journey. Every single one of us. You can say, yeah, well, my neighbor might be. No, every one of us, we are all on a spiritual journey. And any, every one of us, we are all somewhere in this journey. You are somewhere located in this journey. Maybe you're right at the beginning of it. Man, God is stirring your heart. You're doing something. You're right in the beginning of this journey. Maybe you're in the middle of it. Maybe you're winding down. You know, you, you recognize, man, I don't have any more years left. You still are on that spiritual journey. We're all on a spiritual journey. And so as you are on this journey, the question is, what is next? What's next, right? You know, I could sit here all day long and say, man, I want to be in Florida. I want to go to Florida. Well, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean I'm going to instantly be in Florida. There are steps that I have to take to get to Florida, right? Got to decide how we're going to get there and what we're going to do. There are steps to take for what is next. And church, if you are still breathing air, and I hope all of you are here today. I'm not good in emergency situations. All of us, we're sitting in here. We are breathing air today. That means you have another step to take. God's not done. So today, what I want you to do is I kind of want you to look at me. I'm the guy, we're talking about steps here. I'm the guy who's honking the horn. I'm talking about the light has turned green and you are still sitting there doing who knows what and I'm behind you beeping the horn saying, let's go. It's time to move, okay? I'm the guy at the light. We need to move forward. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this. I want to encourage you today 
about moving forward. How is it that you are going to move forward? Well, I'll tell you, the easiest way is to get involved in what God is doing at your church, right? That's so simple. God has called each and every one of us, church, into a very deep and intimate and personal relationship with him. Church, he is a very real God. He is a living God. And he's called all of us into a relationship with him. And you know what? In him, in this relationship, you will find freedom. All of us, we can find freedom. We can find the ability to deal with our, our hang-ups, you know, your issues. You can learn to deal with your issues, your past, your pain, your problems. And here's the key, church. You can make a difference. In a right relationship with him, you can make a difference. See, this is the goal for all of us. This is the goal for all of us as we walk this earth, to make a difference, to spread the gospel, to live a God-honoring life. I always think about, you know, as my life comes to an end someday, and we all will do that unless Jesus comes back, I like to sit there and think that, you know, I could look back on my life and think about the things that I've done, that maybe the difference that I made on the life that God gave to me. You know, what will I be known for? You know, the last day that I, of my former job at Coca-Cola, and it's really wild. I kind of left there abruptly. I really did. And it just so happened, they just bought me a brand new box of business cards. There was 500 in this box. And I had them for like two days, and then I quit. So my last day there, you know what I did? I took all those business cards. I walked around the office. I walked around the plant. I was like hiding them behind file cabinets. I'm just opening random files. I'm throwing them in there. I was placing them things everywhere because I wanted someday someone to come across the corner like, I think I remember that dude. <laughs> he did work. I do remember who he is, right? But I wanted to be known for the fact that I was there. But to make a difference, church, to make a difference, to spread the gospel, to live a God-honoring life, you've got to take that next step. It's what's next. You know, I hear the question a lot in, in, in the preacher's office. People come in and talk to me. And the most popular question that I hear in there all the time is, I, I know that I'm supposed to make a difference in this life. I understand that. But how do I make a difference? What do I do with the life that God has given to me? And so many of us, church, we are confused about that next step, how we take that next step. And the easiest answer to this question, the easiest answer I can give to you in this question is, of course, to get involved in your church. You make a difference right where you're at, right where you're sitting. It's just to do something and find something. And see, when you do this, when you do this, you will find a sense of fulfillment. You really and truly will. When you decide, like, I want to make a difference. I, I want to do something for the kingdom. You will find a sense of fulfillment because, listen, God created you and God created me for significance. I don't care who you are. Remember, God don't make no junk. He doesn't make any junk. He created you for significance, not for just survival. And a lot of us, you know what? We're in survival mode all the time. God created you for significance, but too many of us were in survival mode. See, we have to stay away from that. We have to stay away from that thought process, and we have to become significant. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you another thought for the day, all right? I'm just getting warmed up, all right? I'm pretty wound up. Church camp starts today. I get excited about that, okay? 
But here's what I want, the thought I want you to get today is you have a speaking God, church, and he's trying to speak to you. Every single one of us, we serve a speaking God, and he is trying to speak to you. And lots of people say, well, I don't hear God. I wish I could hear him. I wish I could understand what he wants from me. I want you to know God doesn't have a speaking problem. He does not have a speaking problem. Here's what it is. You have a listening problem. That's a true story right there. We have a listening problem. He's trying to say some things to you today, and I want to give you a little clue of how God speaks, because God does speak. I want to give you a clue of how he speaks. Church, one of the biggest ways that God speaks to us is this, in his word. God will speak to you in his word. He will speak to you in dreams. He will speak to you in visions. And just hear me out today. He will speak to you mostly in his word. He'll give you ideas. God will give you ideas, ideas that you never could come up with on your own. Let's be honest. Most of us, we got these pea brains, right? When a good idea comes, it probably isn't from you. It's probably God placing that in you. And this is very critical. It's critical for you to understand is the dreams and visions and revelations are the key. Church, it's the key to a level in our life that God wants you to have. Proverbs chapter 29. If you'll turn there with me today, we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 29 in verse 18. Now today, what I want to do is I want to give this same verse to you in three different translations because I really want you to get this. I want to hit it home today. Proverbs 29 verse 18. The King James Version says this, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Think about that for a minute. It says where there is no vision, where there's no vision. Now, see, the Hebrew word for vision is kazon. Kazon, that's the Hebrew word for that. Not calzone, that's a folded pizza. It's kazon. And, and that word means dream, it means vision, it means revelation is what that means. And so the Hebrew word for that is kazon. And so where there is a lack of vision, the Bible says the people will perish. And this is not talking about like physical death. It's not talking about physical death. It's talking about like when your marriage dies, okay? It's talking about when your hope dies. It's talking about when your aspirations die. It's talking about when your emotions die, all right? It's not the physical death. It's that spiritual death. And there are a lot of Christians in the world today. You know what they are? They're the living dead, I mean, they're breathing. They're walking around. They're, they're, they're functioning. They're alive, but yet they're dead. And maybe all that is missing with them, church, is a God dream. I'm talking about something deep inside. I'm talking about something that, that, that God has shown you. I, I want to show you today how, how that spark can happen and what God wants to do. So we, we looked at Proverbs 29 verse 18, the King James Version. Now I want you to hear the NIV version. It says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. So it means this church, they get a case of the who cares, right? Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. It's kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, maybe you have that today. Whatever, doesn't matter. I could care less. You know, it's really sad to say this morning, 
But too many people have this right now. That kind of just whatever attitude. This becomes their life mantra, right? Whatever, I don't care. Doesn't matter. It's just kind of going through the motions and church, you know what? This is the worst possible mode that you could be in. It really is. It's the worst mode to be in because you were created for significance, not survival. You were created for significance. You were created to do something. And I really and truly, I want you to believe this this morning. I want you to get this. I want you to walk out of here and understanding what God has created you for. And you don't have to stay in survival mode. You do not have to settle for that. Now I want to give you Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Now this is the message Bible. It's kind of a paraphrase, but man, I like the way this point is made here. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. How many of you this morning are stumbling all over yourself? It's because you can't see what God's doing. And the Bible says, but when you attend to what he reveals, when you pay attention to what God is revealing to you, it says that they're the most blessed. I don't know about you. I want to be the most blessed, right? I want to be the most blessed. And the word says, the word blessed in Hebrew is happy in your soul. When you translate that in Hebrew, blessed means happy in your soul. So there is soul contentment found when you are doing things in life that actually matter. Things in life that actually matter, you find contentment there. I think about all the, the events that I've been a part of, and man, Mission Wellsville, that's really a big one. We did it a couple weeks ago. You know, the teenagers come, and, and they come, and they work, and, and I love, what I love about those missions trips is this. You know, they come, and they work, and they'll go to maybe an elderly person's house, and, you know, they got something going on. Maybe it's a porch that needs fixed. Maybe it's a wheelchair ramp. Maybe we're painting a house. It doesn't matter what it is, but here's what always happens, man. We, we go there. These kids, they think they're just coming to work, Right? And then there's always that one or two kids like, how much are we getting paid? You ain't getting paid nothing, buddy. You're actually paying to do the work. But we go there and we do this work. And then you have this elderly person, maybe it's a widow, a widower, they're coming out. And they love seeing kids there because let's face it, a lot of times teenagers get a bad rap, don't they? You know, the older you get, sometimes you're more afraid of teenagers. But they see these kids working, and, and they get to know them, and, and they're really blessed by it. And, you know, the last day we finish the job, you know, you have the big reveal, whatever you want to call it. And, and, and a lot of times you'll see that person that we blessed. They're sitting on the porch, and they're just crying. And every single year, one or two, three, it doesn't matter how many it is, some of them teenagers will come with me and say, man, I just I feel different. It's, it's like, I can't explain it. There's, I'm feeling something. You know what they're feeling, church? They're blessed. They're feeling God's blessing because they did something that actually mattered. And they're confused by it. Like, I just feel weird. There's something here. You know, when, when Mrs. Jones came out and started crying, it made me feel weird. It's because they're being blessed. For the work that they did, they did something that mattered. So whether it be Mission Wellsville or church camp, man, the Esther house, you know, the things that's going on over there, people are going to be blessed. So whatever it is, church, whatever it is you have going on, when you're doing something that matters, the Bible makes it clear, and it really does. I'm talking from experience. It blesses you. 
When you're doing something with significance, it blesses you. You find contentment. I have a very simple goal for you today. I really do. Is I want you, as individuals today, I want you to start dreaming again. For the church, the body of believers, all of us here in Wellsville, man, I want the church to start dreaming again. And as individuals, man, in your family, I want you to start dreaming again. Because I can tell you, just as I get mature, I can tell you there are points in my life, I can tell you story after story. I'm points of where I'm at my best, and then there's points that's, man, I'm at my worst. And I have a direct correlation on how much dreaming and vision is going on inside of me is my outlook on life. Really, when I have no dreams, when I have no visions, you know, I'm kind of depressed, I'm not happy, I'm just kind of, you know what I mean, whatever. It's that kind of attitude, but man, you know what, every time, regardless of circumstances, circumstances can be crazy around me, but when I am dreaming, man, when I'm having a vision, man, when God has given me revelation through his word, I feel better, and it's easier to go through life. I don't know if you know this or not, but the word dream and the word health are so close together in the Hebrew language that some translators didn't even know exactly how to put that word in there. They're so close. So the word health and the word dream, they're very close and very similar, like dreams and health are synonymous with each other. So think about this for a moment. It just blew me away. That when you are dreaming when you're having visions, things change. You know, if you get healthy or healthy again in your soul, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, do you realize that your marriage can be better? I'm talking about if your marriage had a vision, man, it can be better. You know, if your life, church, if your life had a vision, man, your life can be better. You know, a lot of us, we kind of have that attitude like, man, my life would be better if the next door neighbor's dog would shut up, all it does is bark all day. It's not about circumstances. That's not it. Circumstances are not determining your happiness. Your dreams are, the revelations that God gives you in his word the visions that you have, your relationship with God is determining your happiness. That where, that's where it comes from. It determines your happiness. Are you listening to me this morning? I hope you are. There's something here for you. Psalm 126, if you'll look at this with me. In Psalm 126, verses 1 and 2, it says this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, they were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. You know, the word Zion in the Bible has several meanings. It, it, meanings. it just depends on like when it's being spoken about. So the word Zion, it, it, it could be a fortress. It, it could be a citadel. And when Solomon built the first temple in Jerusalem, it also meant temple, church. I want to read that to you again. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion Church, okay? We were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Church, I want us to be there. 
I want it to be where our mouths are filled with laughter, man. I want it where our tongues are, are, are filled with songs of joy. I want us to get back to that place. Do you realize the past couple of years, and man, we could use this in so many instances, the past couple of years have robbed the church. It really has. The situation in our country, in the world, you know, pandemic, all those kind of things, man. The past couple of years has robbed the body of what God intends for us. We need to get back to this place of joy. We need to get back to this, this place filled with laughter, man, and songs of joy. And we need to get back to where people will look and say, man, look at what the Lord is doing, great things. But we've got to have that attitude. We have to have that attitude. So here's what I want you to think about this one. How many of you have a bucket list? You know what I'm talking about? You have a bucket list. I hope you do. You, if you don't have one, you honestly should make one. I, I, I've got actually two bucket lists. I got a personal one and I kind of have a ministry one. You know, and I'm talking about this bucket list. It's things that you want to do before you die, right? All these things that you want to do before you die, you know, skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, 2.7 seconds, bull named Fu Manchu. You find that bull, let me know, okay? I'm looking for him too. But it, it's like a list of dreams, it's these things you want to accomplish before your life is over. And so, like I told you, I have two of them. And I'm talking, like, man, my bucket list, they can be big. Your bucket list should be big. Dream a little bit. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a one-year cruise with me and my girl. Who knows if it'll happen, right? I'm thinking big. Ministry-wise, I'm thinking about building a new sanctuary for the church. I, I'm, I'm thinking of all these dreams, so I got a list of dreams and of visions, and I believe all of us should have one. Man, the leadership of the church, I want you know your leadership here, they do have a vision. They do have dreams of what God's going to maybe do in the church, and we've got this list. And so when you create your bucket list, I highly recommend that you do. Your bucket list should include God in those things. Too many times we make that bucket list and you know we look at it like a Christmas wish list, right? There's all the things I want. No. I'm talking about things to accomplish. I'm talking about things to be fulfilled. And I want to encourage you, you include God in it. Don't leave him out. You let your heart dream and see if God is in your heart, you realize that your dreams will show signs of God, right? The vision that you have, the dreams that you have, they will show signs of God as well. And I want you to get that spiritual truth this morning that, that God has so much more for us, church. He has so much more than, than just a life, and so much more than, than your, your bucket list or your wish list of skydiving or, or Rocky Mountain climbing. Man, he's got so much more. Because if you dream, if you have visions, if you have revelations from God's word, you're going to feel health. You'll feel that. And you won't know till you do it. If you start to allow your heart to dream and connect with the living God at the same exact time, I want you to know he will speak to you and he has wonderful things to tell you. Your heavenly father, he's got amazing things to tell you. And I'm talking about some dreams, man. I'm talking about grand design. I'm talking custom-made dreams. How many of you like custom, right? You get around some of these young guys that's got like nice Jeeps and, and, and nice cars. or Oh, that's custom on there. I had that made specifically, right? They're only one of a kind, right? It's custom.
custom made and you realize the life that God has called you is custom made. He thought of you specifically. He created it exactly for you. And so church, we got to start dreaming again. We really do. We have got to start dreaming again. So today what I want to do is I want to give you five types of dreamers. The first one is this, no dream. <laughs> That's simple, right? The person who has no dream whatsoever. I hope that that is not you this morning. I mean, you've got no vision for your life. I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm not trying to be confrontational. But you've got no dream whatsoever. None. Chances are, though, if you have no dream, chances are, if you have no dream, you might not be letting God do what he wants to do in your heart. You might not be letting him do things that he's wanting to do in your life. Maybe you're not connected this morning to the living God, the one who is speaking, the one that is talking to us as we speak. And, and so maybe you just even have no faith in God. I'm not, I didn't say you don't believe in him. You've got no faith in him. You don't have a faith that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Hebrews chapter 11 I love what it says here. It says that when you have faith, it is the substance of things hoped for. That's what Hebrew chapter 11 says about faith. It's the substance of what of things hoped for. And so when you have faith in your heart, then you get close to God. It just naturally works that way. Now how close you get to him, that's up to you. But you get closer to God. And see, Church, God really and truly wants to drop some dreams in you, man. He does. He wants to drop some things in you. Acts chapter 2, if you'll look at that with me. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this. I do believe personally, it's personal, that this verse is really misunderstood sometimes, but it says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And so, church, it means, listen, you will receive messages from God in several ways. In several ways. Scripture is the main way that you're going to receive a message from God. And you know what? We discount it so much because if we didn't discount it, we would be in it a lot more. Put that one in the bank, right? Scripture's the main way he talks to us. So here's what we need to do. You want to hear from God, man? Start digging in his word. Get in his word. You, you will hear from him. So we need to be saying, Lord, I, I need to get closer to you. You need to be calling upon him and saying, Lord, I need to be closer to you. And see, maybe we're not hearing God because we've got competing voices going on inside of our heads, don't we? You aren't crazy. There's just things. The world is in your head shouting and yelling at you, and you might not be hearing God because there's too much going on in there. So sometimes in order to hear God's voice, what you have to do is you've got to turn down the world's volume, and you need to allow God to speak to you. You need to let him speak. I'm urging you to get closer to the Lord again, church. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. It says this. It says, ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about the things to come. I like that. Our Heavenly Father, he said, go ahead, ask me. Ask me. Ask me, and guess what? I'm going to tell you some things. 
I'm going to tell you some things that, that are coming, some things for you. And watch what he does, church. When you ask God, watch, he will answer. He will answer you. A lot of times I'll be praying about things and, and I don't always go around and tell everybody my business, okay? I just don't. And sometimes some things, and for you too, some things are just between you and the Lord. And I'll be praying about something and I don't tell anybody that what I'm praying about. And all of a sudden, one of you guys, you'll come at me like, da, 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 da. I'm like, whoa. Now, if you can handle it, I'll tell you like, you ain't gonna believe this. I have been praying about that and I believe that God gave me an answer through what you just said. Because sometimes he does that. And it says, ask me, I will tell you remarkable secrets. You do not know about the things to come. Watch what he does when he answers you, church. He will show you great, mighty things, things you don't know. He will reveal them to you. I believe that God is begging this church to get closer to him. He's begging you. He, he wants you to get closer to him in prayer. And man, listen, don't let your prayer life be a one-way conversation. You ever known that person that, that talks a lot? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're talking. They start talking to you, and, and you're surprised that their face is not turned blue and that they are passed out on the floor because they don't even take a breath. And you're standing, and you're going like, all right, in a second, you're going to take a breath, and then I will jump in there. I will tell them what I want to say. I will tell them my thoughts, and they just keep going and going and going. You're like, man, there's got to be a spot here for me. I should be able to jump in here somewhere. Some of you guys are the same exact way with your heavenly father. You start talking to him, and you rattle off that list. Go ahead. You should be talking to him, but here's what I want you to get. Don't let it be a one-way conversation. You pray, and then you listen. You start listening. You start listening, and he will give it to you. The second kind of dream is this, church. It's the wrong dream, okay? It's the wrong dream. I'm not talking about a bad dream. I'm not talking about a sinful dream. I'm talking, it might be a good dream, but there is just no God in it. Some of us are pursuing the wrong dreams. You're allowing yourself to make these dreams. You're allowing yourself to have these visions for things that only have earthly value and earthly pursuits and has nothing connecting to God. Nothing. See, God doesn't mind if you pursue things, but don't you dare put them above him. Don't you put those things above him him. God has so much more for you than earthly things, church. Way more than earthly things. I'm talking about experiencing the joy of knowing that you are part of something good that God's doing on this earth. Of knowing that you have a part in that because in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 verse 24, it says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. You know what Paul literally just said right there? Let me tell you what he literally said. He said, I have found the greatest joy in my life is doing that which God has asked me to do. I get no greater joy than doing the things that God has asked me to do. And this morning, you might be sitting there going like, preacher, how do I get there? 
Preacher, how do I get to this place? How do I, do I get to a place, you know, where I have a God dream? Listen, there is no other way. I'm going to make it simple. I don't even have to write this book and charge you $49.95 and sell it on Amazon and make millions of dollars off of it. Let me tell you, the best way that you can get to the place where you can have a God dream, and I'm going to reveal to you right now, there's no other way than to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Boom, there it is. You surrender yourself. That's how you're going to have that. And what I mean by that is this, where you're like, God, you know what? You can have my life. God, you can have my life. Lord, you can have my thing. Talk about God, you can have my You can have my kids. I don't want them right now, right? <laughs> you can have my kids. Do you realize that you really should be surrendering your kids to the Lord? This guy told me, when Joshua was born, he told me, he said, hey, have you surrendered your kids to the Lord? I'm like, dude, I ain't slept in a week. I will surrender them right now. And he said, no, you give those kids to your heavenly father. And you're like, Lord, I give them to you right now. I will raise them, but I'm giving them to you. Lord, I'm dedicating these kids to you. Lord, do with them as you can, as you may, and as you wish. These kids are yours and you just gave me a little bit of responsibility with them. You surrender your kids to them, church. See, church, we only have, hear me out this morning, each and every one of us, we only have what we have because of a generous and loving God. Do you realize that? Everything that you have is because you have a generous and you have a loving God. So we tell him, right? This is what we should be doing. We tell him, like, God, you know what? <laughs> Use my car. Lord, you use my car. You know, Lord, you use my ideas. Lord, you use my house, man. You gave me this great house. Use it, Lord. Let me use it to make a difference in this world. Father God, you use my swimming pool. I want to be different. And whenever, whatever I have, God, I want you to use it. You know, when I was growing up, my mom, she would have each one of us kids. There was a lot of us, okay? And so each one of us, you got like one big birthday party. I mean, you invite all your friends, right? When I was a kid, I'm like, that's a rip. I'm an adult. I understand what she was doing. All the other birthdays, it was family. We did family time. You got one big birthday, right? You invited all your friends over, and you're excited. Your friends are coming, right? They're bringing presents. You check them at the door to make sure they got them before you let them in, right? Hey, you got time. You can go home and get that present. And then so you're sitting there, you're sitting there and you're opening up all these amazing presents and you set them off the side, you open the next one. And you know what? All those clowns that you invited your party, you know what they want to do? They want to start playing with your brand new toys and you ain't having it, right? You're ticked. You're like, oh, don't touch that. Don't be playing with my toys. Those are mine. Those are my gifts. You can play with that scrap over there in the toy box. I don't want them anyways. Take them home with you. How many of you are treating God the same exact way? You're generous and loving God. He has given you all these gifts and you are ticked off when he wants to use them. When he wants to use those things for eternal purposes, church. Eternal purposes. And you're highly offended when God's like, I want you to use this for me. 
I want you to use this for my glory. I want you to use this to make a difference. Man, I gave that to you so you would use it. So church, so your life, your dreams, your career, your marriage, your kids, you surrender all that to him. You will begin to see what it is that God wants to do in your life. And you have to make sure, you have got to make sure that your dream that you are living out is not just for yourself. Did you hear me, church? This dream, this bucket list, this vision that you got for your life, it better not be just for yourself. If it is, I want to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go through your life feeling empty. You really will. You will go through your life feeling emptiness. The third dream type of dream is this. It's the stale dream. You have a good dream, but it's, you know what? It's gone stale on you. God gave you this really good dream. I'm talking about your dream. It was on fire at one point, but it has grown stale. I mean, you were excited about it, but now it's just sitting there. (laughs) Maybe it was because of delay. We're instant people, right? God, you gave me a dream. It better happen tomorrow, right? Maybe it's because of delay. Maybe it's because of some setbacks. Maybe it's some problems you didn't plan on. And now your dream is just barely flickering, man. It's barely hanging on and it's dying out. I want to encourage you today. You grab that dream. God gave that to you. I'm talking about you dive back into it. You want to know how you can get it rolling again? You want to know how you can really get that fire burning in that dream again? How about prayer and fasting over this dream? Ooh, that's a big one. Listen, take time. Separate from the world. Reconnect with God, and you give him that dream again. The fourth kind of dream is this. It's that vague dream. It's very vague. You know what I'm talking about? You have this dream, but you haven't spent time to pray over it and articulate it. I'm talking about you having, you, you, you need to dream in a little bit more thoroughly, right? It's shocking how many of us don't do this. God will lay a dream on your heart. He'll lay this dream down, and we don't even write it down. <laughs> I mean, that's basically, it's just vague. You're like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm talking about you write it down. You realize most people don't write their dreams down? Man, I found this verse this week, and I thought it was really cool. In Habakkuk chapter 2, Verse 2, it says this, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct messages to others. Man, write it down. You write it down. Take some notes. If you don't write it down, then you won't be able to read it. And if you aren't able to read it, then you aren't going to be able to run the play. Do you get it, church? You won't understand it. And the last dream is this. The fifth dream is this. It's a God dream. Just flat out, straight out, it's a God dream, and this dream is several things. A God dream, you know what it is? It is God honoring. It doesn't puff you up. It's not that thing like, oh, I created this, right? No, no. It's God honoring. You give him all the glory for that dream. You can still have those certain dreams on your bucket list for you, yeah, but you need to have a God honoring dream. I'm talking your dream will bring God glory. It's going to change some lives around you that, you, that you have that thing, and you want to give it all to God. Church, do you realize there'll be a day? I want you to prepare for what I'm about ready to say. There will be a day, and I hope you know this, and I hate to say this. There's a lot of people in the church that does not realize this, that there are two judgments. There are two judgments. First one is, we'll call it the everybody judgment, all right? 
It's everybody judgment. You know, basically, you're going to stand, you're going to stand, you pass away, right? You're standing there like, did you accept Jesus or not? You did? All right, come on in, right? I'm giving you the basics of it. The judgment that you enter into heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross. There's that judgment, right? You understand that. Then there's another judgment. We'll call it the Christian judgment, church. It doesn't determine your eternal existence. What it does, it determines what your eternal existence is going to be like. It determines that. It's a reward judgment. It's where he kind of says, all right, listen, you know what? I gave you this. I gave you this job. I mean, I gave you a great church, right? I gave you a great church. I gave you a great place to live. I gave you this generation that you can associate with and work with. I Man, I even gave you technology right now, and I gave you, I gave you your amazing great looks. I gave you your life. And he's going to say, what did you do with it? That blew me away this week, church. I knew it, but man, God reminded me. He's going to look at me. He's going to look at you. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with it? You know, we all want to hear, man. I definitely want to hear. When I get to heaven, he's like, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. You come on in. I got it ready for you. I want to hear that. It's that speech, man, we long to hear, but what about, what are you doing with the life that God gave you? I'm talking about church. What are you doing with these dreams that God gave you? What are you doing with these visions that God gave you? What are you doing with these revelations, man, the things that you learn out of his word? What are you doing with the things that God has given you? I'm talking about a God dream this morning, a dream that is culture-defying, right? I'm talking about has the courage to stand up. I'm talking about a heaven-impacting dream that there's going to be more people there because of what you have done on this earth. It may be a dream that seems impossible, church. But you know what? A dream that is a God dream will always require God's help. Every single time it will require his help. So I'm talking that you, are, you feel like I am in way over my head because of the things that God asked you to do. But if you let it, church, here's what will happen. It will keep you on your knees because it takes great faith and a great God to pull it off. As I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, I want to share one last verse with you. Man, this verse, it can be very, very impactful for you this morning. So I hope that you listen closely in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. I mean, this is where Jesus heals a blind man at Bethesda. And verse 22 says this, they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and they begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus said, do you see anything? The blind man, he looked up and he said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and his eyes were open and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. He received, he received church. Two things I love about that verse. 
the first thing where it says that Jesus took this guy outside the village. He's like, let's get away from here. Let's get somewhere else than right here. And sometimes, church, you need a change of scenery. You really do. Where God's saying, get away from that. I want to just focus on me and you. But my other favorite part about that text right there is in verse 25. It's the two words. It says, once more. Get this this morning. It says, once more. Do you realize Jesus, who had the ability to heal him perfectly, Jesus had the ability to do whatever he wanted, right? To heal him perfectly, he prayed for this guy a second time. I believe these words are very important. Once more. Once more. You know, God could be saying to you this morning, I'm willing, even though you had a vision and you lost it, I'm willing to give it to you once more. He's wanting you to have a once more experience, church. For those of you who've been in church for a long time, maybe your spiritual life's stale. You know what God's saying to you? He's saying, I will give it to you again once more. Maybe this morning, church, you don't realize that you serve a once more kind of God. He's a once more kind of God. He has a once more kind of love for you, church. He's saying, even though you messed it up, oh, once more, I'll give it to you again. I've never left you. I never stopped loving you. He has a once more kind of touch for you right now. He's saying, man, I know you haven't felt me in a long time. Once more, I'm going to touch you. And once more, he laid his hands on him, the Bible says, and he saw everything clearly in church. I believe with all my heart, our God wants to once more reveal something to you. He wants you to see things clearly. So maybe today you sat here in church and you heard this sermon and the Lord has given you a vision. I'm talking about a, ge- a dream. Maybe it's a revelation saying, I never knew what that meant in his word of what your life could look like. He said, once more, I'll show you. And you're going to receive that in a right relationship with your heavenly father. I'm talking about committed a committed relationship, a devoted relationship. Do you realize that Jesus went to the cross to let you have access to that? So this morning, as we get ready to wrap things up, I want to tell you once more, God is pounding on your door, man. He is pounding on your heart. He's saying, I want to give you a brand new mind. I want to clean that heart up, all the garbage that you have in your life. Man, maybe it's things that you're looking at that you shouldn't. Maybe it's things you're saying that you shouldn't be saying. Maybe it's things in your life that you've done that you knew even while you were doing it, you shouldn't be doing it. And he's saying, once more, I am going to give you the opportunity for me to clean that mess up. So this morning, if that is for you, I want to encourage you. God's calling you out. Don't run from him come to him. Maybe you needed to hear that word this morning. Maybe you need to get your life right with him. And once more, you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. And he's saying, trust me. You surrender it to me. And here's what that looks like, church. You come down front, man, we'll pray with you. You're saying, basically, I want to surrender it all. Lord, I give you everything that I got, and you do with it what you want. And he will. You ask for forgiveness of your sins. 
You invite Jesus Christ in your heart and watch that relationship grow, church. And you follow him in Christian baptism, man. If that's for you, you come forward today. The elders will be up here. Kim will be up here. They will pray with you. And for the rest of you believers that are sitting here today, I want to tell you once more, God is saying, I want to revive that fire. I want to stoke that dream. I want to give you a life that you could not possibly do on your own. But you've got to surrender to me again. And here's what's wild. It's a daily surrender. It's not just once. It's a daily surrender. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. I truly want to encourage you to respond this morning.